Welcome to the Atlas Project. It's a new world. To navigate it, we need new maps. Each episode, best-selling author Chris Katana and Scott Jones saw 50,000 feet above the immediate headlines in politics, economics, science, and society. The Atlas Project aims to reveal the big picture of where humanity is headed and the choices we all need to face. Chris, how are you, my friend? Oh, my goodness. It's... um so here I am in London. You're in New York now, right? I am in New York City. So um, I love to hear all New York, New York, New York, New York, the town that's so nice, they had to name it twice. <laughs> London, London. I guess yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not we, the same. It, it doesn't work the same way. And in some ways, it's not as nice. The, uh, you know, back, uh, back home in North America, you guys are experiencing a heat wave. Here, we had this week of, of glorious summer about two weeks ago and 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 now it's kind of gray and rainy every day and i'm it's slowly dawning on me that that thing i experienced two weeks ago that was the summer here like that was it mm-hmm. and 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 i'm still at this i'm having this inner struggle around would i would I be happier having not experienced that glorious week of summer? I mean, it's kind of bittersweet is, 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 is what I'm trying to express because I'm kind of hungering for it to come back. It felt so good. It was like a glimpse of how good it could be to be in the midst of, of summer. Um, and, and, you know, granted, there are, there are many other um, you know, issues in the world to be far more concerned about than the weather in London. I get that, right? fully fully get that but you know and 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 partly because of the the 18 months that it has been i think that certainly in 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 this country which is just always under a cloud of gray when when the sun comes out it it does something physical to the the spirit to the zeitgeist of the population and you know, if you ask me how I am, like if I could be honest with this, I need more sunshine in in my life right now. There, you know, I know there's a lot of conversation about uh, pandemic brain. You know, this kind of lethargy, this this sluggishness that that a lot of people experience. As you know, in some places, you know, like here, I've I've got one shot of AstraZeneca in my veins. I've got another one coming up, so we're starting to kind of supposedly go back to normal or, or recover some of the activities that we we had left behind. And and I'm finding that even though there are things that are opening up, I'm not opening up uh, yet. I, I, I kind of struggle sometimes to get up in the morning. I just don't feel as, I mean, yeah, I'm still doing a lot of stuff, but I don't feel as, as energetic as I did 18 months ago if yeah if I, I, I think you can't min- i wouldn't want to minimize the lack of sunshine in london because all suffering is real and particular right and rooted in finitude and so we're all finite creatures and our, our ability to experience pleasure and pain is all rooted infinitude like in in where our space is and 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 where we're who we're sharing it with and where we're 
in dwelling space and things. So I, I think, you know, now you know, you could say, Hey, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying in the sense of like, well, look, there are people that have it worse off than me, but pain is pain. Right. And I think we always lose when we try to quantify, um, suffering existentially, because if you're suffering, you're suffering. Like, uh, and again, there are, that's, that's not to say that like every form of suffering should get the same sort of, um, deliberate attention from the UN or, or, or the UK government or something like that. But, but it is saying all suffering and alienation and struggle is real. Right. And, and something as simple as not seeing the sun, um, and being quarantined and things like this can create real suffering that is, you know, people took their lives in the pandemic that were, that were living by any standard um, in world history. They were living in the top 1% of, of human history as far as health care and, and, and wealth and well-being. And yet they couldn't go on anymore. So, I, I, you know, I'm just always wary of minimizing anybody's pain. And, uh, you know, we, we could also, it's very easy to judge. We had a tennis player walk off the court this week, right, um, to some judgment in the news. Oh, right. Well, so it's Wimbledon this week here in London. I, well, I, I, so many stories I could tell you about Wimbledon. But um, do you go? Do you get tickets? Can you get tickets to Wimbledon? I mean, you, you totally can. Actually, there's this wonderful, wonderful tradition here in in Britain around Wimbledon, which is called the Q, right? The lineup. But at Wimbledon, it's 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 like capital T, capital Q, the Q, and and every day there is a certain allotment of tickets that are available. They're unsold. They're sold on the day to people who. Um, get up very early in the morning and line up for the queue. So if you're willing to stand in line long enough on any day of Wimbledon, you can get tickets. Now, if it's to sort of get tickets to the, like the men's or women's final, you may have to join that queue two or three days prior, but if you're willing to do it, then you can get tickets to that event too. So there's this, there's this, um, (laughs) in a weirdly magical British way, you know, there is this strange blend of ultra elitism and um, and egalitarianism in the institution of Wimbledon. You can also, um, you know, purchase effectively box seats, like season tickets. Those are my tickets. And and if there's any event at Wimbledon, I have those seats. I can go or I can sell them to somebody else if I don't want to go to myself. There's there's a whole industry around owning seats inside center court in Wimbledon. And if you can manage to buy one of these seats and the waiting lists are very long, you might as well buy it. I mean, the bank will lend you the money to buy it because it's a business. I mean, there are so many travel and tourism organizations who will happily pay you a lot of money for every seat that you don't want to sit in. That is all a wild digression. But yes, it's not wild though, because I want to know, like, would you go to Wimbledon? I mean, would you like to go? Would you be the kind of guy that's... Oh, it's fantastic. Wimbledon, you know, you would think, you'd think, oh, this is just going to be kind of lame. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Um, 
Do you, do you, do you, do you they're, eat they're, and drink in in the in the sense that they have like beers or pretzels? Yeah, or, there's this wonderful food? there's this wonderful lawn and a hill within the park area, and and that's kind of like the picnic commons. And we got like big screens projecting what's happening on the main courts, and and if you don't have tickets to actually sit in one of the courts, but you've got kind of like a general um, grounds pass. Then, then you may be there with some friends on that lawn having a picnic, you know, drinking wow. drinks, eating eating strawberries and cream. There, Wimbledon has its own strawberry farm to supply the strawberries for Wimbledon. Wow! Yeah, it's it's wow. fun. It's fun. I mean, this is it must be it must be something similar in New York where there's like a social calendar of events. Right, right. right there's right. this, and then there's that, and Wimbledon is on the social calendar, so you get. You know, there will be, for the major match events, there will be some people in the royal box who are probably, you know, royalty, um, all the way down to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what am I doing there? Um, but so, it's a lot of fun. I am not a very good tennis player, I will admit, but, you know, Someday any I would sport, like to go any to sport in Wimbledon person with you. Is, is, oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll, um, we'll stand agree. in I the would, queue. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to go to something with you because I think it would be fun. I think it would be uh, interesting and fun. I think dispositionally, you're tall. I'm not tall. You're good looking. I've got a face for radio. You know, it'd be fun to kind of like, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito and twins. We could wear you, matching outfits and go. That I, I mean, I appreciate your sentiment. I would suggest that you maybe talk to some people who have been with me to public events and get their take on it. I they they tend to feel embarrassed in my company, and <laughs> I think I think one of the reasons is that, um, and maybe this is sort of a consequence of being you know a writer who is you know a lot of my life feels quite hermit like to me, and I enjoy that. But when I'm in public to an event like that, I am so gregarious, right? And I, I love will, it. I will strike up this conversation with you know the person in line before me and after me and you know in the bathrooms and you know bumping into somebody in the crowd and you know it's if 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 you're not into sort of random chat with strangers no i love um, that i'm the same way oh okay I, well then I, then I would i would talk to anybody i will talk with anybody so tell us the story of what happened which this this woman it's it's pretty uh, oh right, right so Naomi Osaka right so so you know a, a titaness of women's tennis back at the French Open um, I guess it was back in May so she withdrew from the French Open um, and it was for mental health reasons I might get the details wrong but but I seem to recall it was you know basically about she 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 would feel this overwhelming wave of anxiety before every kind of press availability, which is something you have to do, um, right? As, as a professional athlete, you, you do that. You know, you sit down at that press conference, right, before after every event. And so she withdrew because she just couldn't handle it. And, and she's likewise withdrawn from Wimbledon. And uh, she's going to participate in the Tokyo Olympics. But, but you know, basically, as, as so many people have been doing, um, over the last several years now, you know, doing it for herself and has the courage to do it. And at the same time, raising awareness that, you know, just as you said beautifully to me, raising the awareness for me that, that, you know, 
all, all pain is real and we shouldn't minimize it. But but raising awareness about um, about mental health and mental health issues within within the professional sporting community and and for me I think also just reminding me to to recognize that I'm not immune from what does seem to be a, a totally observable and and I'm sure by now diagnosed um, psychological phenomenon which is just how for for many of us we 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 are um profoundly different individuals um today versus 18 months ago there's something something in my wiring has um has has, has been affected by by um the the, the radical and sustained break from the way I used to do things. And it's not, it's not snapping back. Yeah. It's interesting because sport is, is one of these things that we've lost. Um, right. Uh, which, which is something that's so fundamental to the human condition. And when we were talking, batting around um, what we we're going to do in this episode, I, we talked about some stories and, the only sport I've ever been good at. I mean, I played a bunch of them, but the only sport I was ever good at was golf. Um, I had, I, oh, I still really? have a love affair. Yeah. Yeah. I played. Oh my God. Well, if, if you want to feel good about yourself, let's go golfing. Oh, it would be great. It would be great. We'd have a great time. I mean, like I, I, I like you would have fun. a great time. I know it's interesting because, um, it, you know, I, I, I started playing it in high school and I got good at it and I loved it. And I, I had a, I still have a love affair with it. I mean, the parabola of a perfect golf shot to me, is just unbelievable. But, um, maybe the most famous golfer of all time, Bobby Jones, who, um, was actually an amateur his whole life. I mean, he, he won several pro events, but he never became a touring pro. He was this Georgia kind of landed gentry sort of person that, it was where kind of being a professional, like taking money for golf was like viewed as sort of, you know, lower class or something. Um, but in the 1925, this is, this is chariots of fire for the golfing world. <laughs> exactly. It is. It's totally chariots of fire. This is totally, um, Eric, uh, Eric little, uh, at the 1925 us open Jones moved his ball slightly when he was setting up for a shot in the fairway and no one saw it. But Jones was adamant that the ball had moved and he assessed himself a one-stroke penalty, which ultimately cost him the win because he was going to win, but because he wound up in a tie because he assessed himself this penalty stroke and he lost in the playoff. And so he was praised for this classy move. Everybody was like, this is the consummate gentleman. This is unbelievable that somebody would do this. And he said you might as well praise me for not robbing banks. <laughs> which is like, which gets this to this man this takes question. the rules of golf seriously. Very seriously. And it is a gentleman's game. And also I don't take the rules that seriously. So if we played together, I would cut you a lot of slack. Well, Just, if you do make it over here, we'll, I mean, and we have to book quite, quite in advance. We can go up to St. Andrews and play on the old course. Oh, uh, it's windy there. I mean, links, link style. I mean, that's not for my game. Cause I hit the ball 
kind of long and high. And so it's, yeah, you know, I would love too. to play it because I, uh, that would be challenging because my game does not suit well to that course. Um, I've played link style courses without trees and stuff. Uh, I would take trees and less wind over, uh, but I'd love to play it. So, I there, nev- so here we go. I have never felt more lost and confused in our conversations than this territory we are in right now. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying to sustain a conversation about golf. Oh, it's okay. Let, if we game. play, let's just agree that when I when I swing and miss the ball entirely, that doesn't. Count. Oh, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. That was it's a practice shot. It's practice. It's shot. completely fine. It's completely fine. Um, so, so, but this is interesting because we're talking about the human condition and sport, and here you have this kind of thing with Bobby Jones, where he is so committed to the rules um, that he would lose the U.S. Open when no one's, and who knows? Even if he did move the, ball, I mean, he thought he moved the ball. No one thought he moved the ball. Like, did he really move the ball? But he's so committed to it. So you and I, the other night, were talking about our next podcast. And we did not know we were both Dungeons and Dragons players as children. Which, all right, we just lost 15 listeners. Um, (laughs) And people are going to give us swirlies. Like, you know, put our heads in toilets and bully the nerds. Will they? I mean, this is. I mean, we we live in a different era now. When you and I played Dungeons and Dragons, it was you know it was not the done thing. Um, but did you know? I looked this up because I was thinking, you know, what were people doing during the pandemic, and what were the things that sort of you know became popular again? And sure enough, twenty twenty was the best year ever for Dungeons and Dragons, according to. Um, the 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 company that publishes like kind of all of the core like manuals and 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 game rules and stuff like do you know who the inventor of dungeons and dragons was i do it's like gary somebody or other guy gary gygax which is a great name yeah gary gygax so you know so so that's interesting you know because you think about it in in a pandemic year where everybody is self isolating and you know zoom fatigue and it all kind of got old fast the idea of you know getting on to um onto calls with a small group of friends and 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 basically weaving a story together like having a guide and then each of us let's take on a persona and you know, following some some set rules, but with just so much that is just about role play. You know, it's it's about improv, um, allowing ourselves to immerse ourselves in in a parallel world, and and create new stories for one another. It it doesn't. It's the perfect <laughs> pandemic um, escape. That that you know that the technology enabled people to do, and now I'm 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 sad that I didn't use this opportunity. <laughs> I know we could have gotten like with the, with the, both the communities we knew we know our networks. We probably could have found some great D and D players, and probably could have got a regular game going. So for people that don't get Dungeons Dragons, it's, <laughs> yeah, okay, it's this, you need to give some context. It, it's this kind of it's it's sort of like imagine you're doing a role play. In Middle Earth, you know, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit sort of era where there's orcs and elves and magic and, and there are, you know, people wielding swords and there are 
quests and, and and sort of thing. So you're 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 let loose in this world that is akin to Tolkien's kind of Middle Earth, and 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 Gygax borrows some stuff from Middle Earth and other places. And you're in this medieval fantasy world, and you pick your class. You know, you, you could be uh, a, a mage or a f- or a sort of sword for hire or a thief or an assassin or a kind of cleric or all these things. Or, uh, you, you have all these, and, and the class is kept expanding as the game expanded. And you can choose, you know, you could be a human or an orc or an elf or a half-elf or this or that. But the most interesting thing was you and I were reminiscing down the road of Dorkhood. Um, we, we, we got caught up in, in the whole thing. You have to pick your character's alignment. And this is what I think is so interesting about, about what this game can tell us about ourselves and human nature is, is, is the whole choice of alignment, right? So, okay, so, so a couple of things there. And, and I agree, alignment is probably, for me, one of the most fascinating things about um, role-playing games and, 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 and choosing your character's alignment. But before we get there, just to fill in a couple more, a couple more tidbits, as I, now all the memories are... Are coming back. By the way, did you know? I mean, when we were kids playing D anD think it was like stereotypically like it was it was what the it was what the boys in South Park were were playing, right? Oh, these, totally. These, these yeah. like pimple faced boys. But I I looked at the stats now. Uh, there's an article in Forbes, and and the the gender split is about sixty forty male female and 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 one percent non-binary so there's a very small small sliver there but like it's really equalized a lot from what what i imagine and what i think it probably was back in there were no girls that played when i was a kid that played dnd and it's interesting to you know i'm not really it's there is you know one of the positive things that the internet and social media objectively i think did for um, society is that is that uh, groups that were marginalized, wh- whatever that group, um, could find one another and become a a, a functioning, thriving um, community where where when we're together, what we do is totally normal. You know, as a kid playing D anD D, like we kind of. You know, we we found this like little broom closet in school to play where no one would bully us because you know what are those weird kids doing? But but nowadays, I mean, we do it like it's just it's this thriving ecosystem of all sorts of people, and when you're in that ecosystem, it's totally normal behavior. So, I mean, that's that's just a big part of of I guess what has what has changed. Um, changed about it, and and as I think of it today, looking back, it's it's ridiculous that it was, um, somehow seen as deviant behavior, um, because you know with a, with a more, I guess, just unbiased critique, there's it, it was kind of like you know a good induction into drama class or theater. Yeah. Or or improvisation. I mean, it was only fun if you put on the mask yourself and imagined, you know, I am this character. Now, how would this character behave? It, it's it's basically improv games, and and to 
to learn how to create play and to create adventure for yourself with just your imagination um, and, and, and to take real joy and energy and excitement from, from a kind of fantasy landscape um, and adventures that you create for yourself is a, is, is a really good way to stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating. So, so alignment, right? So you oh, have right, to alignment, choose. Yeah. You have to choose. Um, there, there are two poles, which is really interesting. There's a relationship to society and a relationship to morality. Um, and so the relationship to society is lawful, neutral or chaotic. So you're a, you're a rule follower or you're somebody that is, eh, you know, follow the rules when they make sense, but I'm not religiously a rule follower or you're chaotic, right? Um, which the chaotic is like, no, I, I don't like the strictures of society and I'm a rebel, but there's also this kind of moral um, spectrum where you're either good right where you're committed to basically the good life and the true the good and the beautiful things you're neutral between good and evil or you're evil um you're really you're really on the dark side of reality right you're you're explaining this badly i think okay so step in please (laughs) so did you ever watch westworld either the original movie or the the television series yeah yeah i've watched the original movie okay so so at the beginning by by the way do you do you know that arnold schwarzenegger um patterned his performance in the terminator off of yule brenner's performance in the westworld movie are you still going to be my friend if i admit that i i did not know that (laughs) I mean, and, this, we're in real geekdom but, here. But, we're in but, oh, okay, okay. So you got to understand. I've got like I've got a very thin base of geekdom, and then there's a lot of other things that, if you test my knowledge, especially of po- <laughs> especially of popular culture, if 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 your respect for me depends upon my capacity to to help you win in like the 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 arts and culture category when we play no, Trivial Pursuit, not at all. No, it's, no. Okay, thank goodness, because that's not that. Yeah, it was always my weak, my weak category, and I never would win because inevitably you had to get one of those pieces of pie. But so Westworld, right? The beginning of Westworld, you come into this park. Welcome to this fantasy land. First thing you have to choose, you know, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? Are you going to wear the white hat or the black or hat? the black hat? Yeah, and this and this was alignment in in D and it was like really important choice so here's this whole landscape playscape we're going to go on adventures together but are you going to be a good guy or a bad guy a good girl or a bad girl that was kind of your 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 first decision and like everything else in D and they you know they, they they added these refinements so so like you say they they recognized in kind of setting it up that that good and evil is just actually one version of it you can be just like in westworld you can be you can be um a good guy who is also a lawman you know like the sheriff or you can be a good guy who law gets in my way right, right. i'm I, and i don't know what the westworld equivalent would be but it's kind of I, I, if I mean, think, the classic the classic of this would be batman versus superman exactly right? like right. superman, superman is, is 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 a good guy and law abiding 
Right. He's true justice the American way. And Batman is sort of like, look, the law gets in the way of really stopping the bad people. The criminals get off. Right. And that's why we need vigilante justice, that the law works too slow. And also, you could be a bad guy or gal. Um, You could be a bad guy who either plays within the rules. We see this in lots of movies, like where, you know, the, the bad guy is this corporate titan or something who who always lawyers up and who who obeys all the rules and is totally evil or you can be a bad guy like the joker who is not just evil but is really wants to tear down society like it's not going to watch it scriptures watch it burn right so you could be there's different ways to be a bad guy you can be a bad guy in the system wanting to beat the system or a bad guy that wants to take down the system and then there's this messy neutral category where you're kind of um, you know, you're you're not sure what you think about good or evil or societal structure. Yeah, I always felt that if you're gonna if you're gonna enter the playscape and say, you know, my attitude towards this world is that I'm not gonna take sides. I, I guess either either you're sort of choosing. You know, sort of to be the balance, and that you kind of, you, you sort of, you you see that good and evil are are just two sides of, of of sort of you know a cosmic truth, and and it and it feels more true to be, um, you know, to be allied to neither. Than to than to pick one, like to pick to be good, and and ignore everything you know about that. But the evil is real, and 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 how do I even know if my actions are good? I mean, can I see all ends and all consequences? Like, I, I I feel like, you know, probably a lot of philosophers today are neutral, <laughs> so confused about what would be good that that it feels safer just to just to not try to pick that stance. And the classic character for this, I think, at least in the DC universe, is Catwoman. I mean, because she's chaotic in the sense of she she's a criminal, but she's neither good nor evil, right? She oh, she does some things. Okay. She helps the vulnerable once in a while, but she also skirts with the villains. And she's she's not like like Batman is clearly chaotic good. I mean, there's this great um, line in the in the in the Christopher Nolan films with Christian Bale where he's partnering with Catwoman and he says, um, no guns, no killing. <laughs> like, it's clear that like, even though he breaks the law and stuff, he won't use a gun because he doesn't want to kill anybody. And then he, he it's not just killing. He kind of walks it back a step because guns are killing instruments. Right. So that's his good guy side. Right. There, there, there's a moral thing. It's, 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 it's not about law and society. But it is about the good, and he thinks there's a real morality. Whereas Catwoman, you know, she's chaotic neutral. I mean, she's not law abiding, um, but she sometimes, you know, it, it, you even watched in The Dark Knight Rises, she winds up helping Bane and Batman. I mean, she's she's kind of for hire. Um, so yeah, I feel like I feel like. Um if if we if we want to talk about superheroes and what is their alignment, we got we got to kind of update it to to more like contemporary 
exemplars in, say, the Marvel Universe, like Iron Man. So he would be, what, chaotic good? I think, think he's neutral good. I, I think. Oh I boy, think, you, you you're way geekier than me. Like well, so. because <laughs> I think sometimes Tony Stark breaks the rules, and then you know, in Captain America, it, um, the, the the Captain America film where Tony Stark is kind of the rival to Captain America, he's partnering with the government because um, he feels guilty about what they did, what the Avengers did, destroying this Eastern European city, and so he kind of you know he. His alignment, as mm. far as he society, sees that if is we're neutral. if we're superheroes just running rampant around the world, that that's not necessarily the best way to pursue the good. We need some right. order here, right? Right. Okay. And I think Captain America almost changed. Well, I think I would have said he's lawful good, but he becomes the outlaw. But maybe he's lawful good in the sense of he thinks the government has betrayed the rules, and so he's upholding truth, justice, American way stuff. Right. If the institutions won't do it. I'll do it. Whereas Tony Tony Stark does not see himself as beholden to any institution. He sees himself as godlike. And he's really good. I mean, he wants to do the good. But he's kind of neutral good. Like, like if, if if it helps to go outside the law, he'll do it. Like, if it helps to be institutional, he'll do it. I guess you would say, like, you know, the whole Guardians of the Galaxy, they're kind of chaotic good. Yeah, but by nature, are they neutral good? They're definitely neutral or chaotic because they kind of float around. They're definitely not lawful. No, no, no. And they can't be because there's no kind of universal moral laws governing. There's no constitution governing the universe. They have have to make it up as they go along. Right. And so they're definitely somewhere between neutral. Now, what is Thor? Okay. Well, okay. So he's clearly one of the good guys. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then your question is, what's his relationship to order and the law as a path to achieving the good? He might be neutral good. No, what about Loki? Loki, I would guess, is neutral evil. Okay, so so okay, like it, it's been it's been decades, bro. So you're gonna have to walk me through this. So Loki, okay, I remember, like, so Thor's e- well, yeah, we think of it, if not evil, at least mischievous brother so but you think he's evil which is he he actively wants to promote bad yeah in 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 the world you think so he's not just sort of selfish but he's he's evil you think I think so. Yeah. Although oh, the new Loki series might make him. No, oh, no, I, ha- I haven't. I haven't watched it. I haven't, I haven't watched, watched it, it. So I, I actually don't know what his alignment is. So okay. So look. But when you say he's he's neutral evil, the the first neutral, you said like neither lawful nor chaotic. You think it's because what? Explain that to me. Like, surely he's um, chaotic, isn't he? Well, at times, but then at times he plays by the rules. Like at times, Loki, when it serves him. I mean, you think about um, in the last Avengers Endgame movie, the Endgame movie, he's kind of on the ship with the Asgardians. He's kind of in society. He's kind. Of, I think. I think Loki plays by and with the rules when it's helpful, right? I think he kind of. Um, He's a guy that can like like the Joker cannot play by the rule. It's just not he can't play by the rules. It's just not possible. 
Loki or even Lex Luthor, right? Superman's nemesis. Luthor in some instantiations, he'll start LexCorp or something like that. Like he, he's a guy that actually buys off politicians. He, he, he thrives in the system, right? Mm. Like, Mm. um, whereas I think Loki, um, you know, like he can play in the system if he needs to or not. So I think he's neutral evil. I mean, his own, his own interest is self-interest and his own kind of malevolent projects. I guess maybe one way to think about, you know, motivation for superheroes and we can, we can get to political leaders who think they're superheroes in a moment um, and kind of, <laughs> kind of bring all of this to the real world. But I guess one of the ways to think about it is, you know, do they fantasize about being legislators Right. Like, so if you're, if you're the Joker, like, no, I don't, I just want to burn shit up. But you think about Thanos, for example, who, who, who said like, I've got a very clear theory about how the universe should work. And, and I think that right now, you know, life is violating that theory. It's growing out of control and we can't have that. And, and nobody has the strength to enforce the law. So I'm going to enforce the law. So, so you would argue that he was, there was something like lawful or like he was, he was trying to appeal to some higher universal law. And he he was really interested in being that legislator. Thanos might be the most neutral character too, because he violates he he acts in a way he might be he's either lawful neutral or neutral neutral because I don't think you're right I don't think Thanos is evil. There's right, not, he there's, didn't see himself as evil. He's like this no, is and there's not there's right. not a scene. You look at the Avengers Endgame movie or whatever. You'd be hard pressed to find a cruel scene with Thanos. He's not cruel. He's not psychotic. He's not. He he does what needs to be done. But so does every you know. So does the most beloved. Um, head of state in Western liberal democracy have to do things like that. But he thinks, I, I think Thanos is the closest to neutral we've, we've hit. So if that helps people, you know, thank you to the Marvel cinematic universe for helping us to, to make sense of um, alignment from our D and D days. But you know, it, it's actually, so it's fun, but there's, there, there is a kind of, you know, for me, a, a sort of a sort of broader insight here about, um, you know, play is insightful. Yeah, and and I feel like you know one of the things that certainly happened for me over the past eighteen months is, you know, so much of the. Um, of of kind of the the serendipity was removed from my life. So many of the um, of the opportunities to play and play with other people, um, or or play by consuming you know culture and things like that. Yeah, um, were were removed from from my life, and and. and 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 I became a tremendously productive person. <laughs> and I think, you know, there's something, there's something about getting things done, you know, and it's a, 
there is there is total culture of like maximizing productivity um, in in our work life and our personal lives. You know, time management, all of it. Like, how can how can I get more tasks completed through the quantity of time that I've got each day? Um, seems to be a really important objective that that really isn't objected to. And then when you when you eliminate any everybody's distractions and you say, Hey, you could just get more work done. And like, yeah, I should get more work done. And I think now having, having attempted that for a year and a half, I think we're in a position to kind of do it like a self-assessment of, you know, so how's that going for me? Is, you know, is the kind of the linear way through productivity um, the best way or do we and and I'm answering for myself I feel like well one of the consequences was my energy just isn't the same as it was the, the verve somehow isn't the same and and I've started to become really quite convinced that um, that productivity whatever this thing is it's 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 a nonlinear equation that that you know less time spent working and more time spent playing would get me further faster and 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 maybe part of it is because that you know even while we're playing we are we are we are exploring the world from different perspectives yes and in new ways um there is there is so much uh, growth and discovery happening when we are in play space, when we are in play mode, all of these useful frameworks for navigating um, the real world that, that, that we unconsciously learn and they're really useful, like alignment. You know, we can totally diagnose the MCU. <laughs> And we can well, you look know, at, you, you know yeah. what's interesting too, like like on a meta level to critique our own process. You and I had this delightful conversation the other night about D and D and alignment, right? And we could have just rolled in and said to our listeners, "We're going to be playful right now because we we're going to tell you something we really enjoy." Even though normally we give you this kind of timely kind of headline and then timeless kind of question that we're going to, we're just going to mess with the format a little bit because we found something we really enjoy and we're going to let you in on it. And we spent so much time figuring out how to intro something we just wanted to talk about. Right. <laughs> that was fun. Right. 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 Like, so right. It's just how, in, it's, how, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, like, you know, and I've loved this podcast. And I think it's delightful. And just, and part of what I think we do for our listeners is once in a while, like, we'll pull back the curtains and let you see if you like this podcast and you like the way we think we'll help you see how we think. Right. And so it's funny because it was even challenging for us to be playful on this podcast. Oh, totally. And by the way, Chris has these dice. And so if you become, we're going to have some kind of Patreon link we'll hit where he'll send you pictures of his D and D dice, which it, it was crazy to me that he has them. Uh, I just I just rolled a seventy. Is that good? 
Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so this is so no, but it's just interesting. Check up check check up uh, check up what it means on my uh, on my wand of infinite wonders. Oh, dude. I love that. I always wanted what was called a bow of magic missile. I, I it was never created, but I wanted a bow. So magic missiles are these like magical arrows that always hit and they cause a certain amount of damage. And so I was like, why can't I have a bow of magic missile where my bow basically doesn't have a string, but when I touch it, 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 it pulls up a magic missile. I mean, that was my dream creation. It was no. never created. Wand of wonders. Wand of wonders. I rolled a 70. I ca- it means I cast a fireball. Nice. Ooh, 13. 13 good. 13, I'm stunned until the start of my next turn, believing something I, awesome just happened. <laughs> ba- basically, you, your wand of wonders blew up in your face. You're stunned. <laughs> that means that this meant something to only five people on the planet, but I hope that you were listening. We love it, though. We love it. But no, but I think alignment, so it's interesting because part of what play offers us is often a less threatening way to look at our own motivations, right? Like, or to look at, you know, because always when we're thinking about superheroes or or D&D characters or something, we're always thinking about ourselves because that's where human beings live. We, we're always thinking about ourselves and, and, and then our interaction with the world and interpretation of it comes through our, our look at ourselves. So I think the fun thing about alignment is like, you're thinking about what, what am I really like, you know, what would I be? What am I? If I had, if I had superpowers, would I change? You know, most of us have to functionally be at least lawful or else you go to jail or something, right? Like, so, so most of us are coerced into being lawful. But if you had this capacity to transcend norm, it's why I love post-apocalyptic films and literature because it, it, it gets... Oh, okay, it becomes a choice. Right. Yeah. Like, what, what, who what would do you want to play? Right. Right. Yeah, and it's a real... Like, so, like, that's why I love The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, the, the zombies are completely uninteresting. They're window dressing. They're like a weather pattern. They're not interesting at all. They're just, eh, like they don't do anything interesting. The interesting thing in Walking Dead are different human choices. And this community chooses this way of being. And this community chooses this way of being. And they're trying to figure out, well, we don't have the strictures of society anymore. So how do we, in this post-apocalyptic reality? And so I think that the great thing is like, um, you you can live like you actually can live um, pre fantasy or pre post pre post apocalyptic. You can actually ask yourself, "What? Who am I? And what do I want to be? And who do I want to be?" So, so my question now is, um, so yeah, so what is your alignment? Do you think? I think I am neutral. Good. You think you're neutral good? Yeah, I think I am. Um, I, I have... So if you're stopped at a red light, you may go through it. Sure. Yeah, 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 totally. I might. I, I, I might. I might. Like it, it, I, I have a respect for society, but it's not absolute. But I do have a respect for the good. And I think, I think ultimately the good is important to me, like um, respect for life and respect for people's dignity and things like that. But I think that can often be like, I think the strictures of society can often um, be contra good. I mean, I think it's, so it's, 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 and also my own personality is such that 
I, I, I don't worry about like running the stoplight or no, I've gotten tickets because of that and things like that. Like, I mean, it, it, I'm not, I, I, I'm not obsessed with someone's watching. No, what are you? Yeah, I guess I, I want to be, I want to be one of the good guys. Um, are you neutral? Maybe. Are well, you maybe like. So I feel like. I wonder if that's you know maybe just a. If that's an honest tension that. That, do we all work with this tension? I mean, I feel like I'm not always good. In in the sense that, you know, sometimes I'm, I am, really. Um, obsessed isn't quite the right work word, but you know, really caught up in in me. Um, you know, my life, my goals, my needs, my anxieties. Um, you know, I can I can really be um, inwardly focused in a way that you know is is almost sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I say that recognizing that um I, I I suspect that's a lot of us. Right. No, There's so a lot of being the better you're being the better Augustinian Christian than I am right now. Because I kind of like because if you ask me intellectually, I would say that's true about everybody. But you ask me personally and my self righteousness kicks in. No, I'm, I'm a good, good guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a good guy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but, but this is, you know, like yeah, Augustine. So, right, so I want to be a good person, but yeah. Hmm. If you read Augustine's Confessions, he has this great story where he's like with his buddies and he steals a pear as a teenager or something. And he's like, I didn't even, I don't even like pears. And I just wanted to fit, like, he's like examining his own depravity. And he just goes into all these examples when he just made terrible choices and, and, and did them knowing they were terrible like it, it's 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 great like psychoanalysis and we, we would not have psychoanalysis without augustine's confessions uh, but i think you're right i mean the, the augustinian christian in me would say aren't we all to some level bent toward the evil yeah so i i think for me yes a little bit i mean in moderation right evil in moderation is is is, is how i describe <laughs> myself and then on, on like kind of the lawful or the Cayman That would be thing. a great resort. You should open a resort. We should open a resort in the Cayman <laughs> Islands. Evil in moderation. Evil in moderation. <laughs> we would get some really, really interesting guests checking it in. It would be a I'm, great business I'm, model. I'm pretty sure. Well, we should do that. Now, now kind of the, the lawful or chaotic. See, now, I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly a very, I am a very kind of, you know, law-abiding person. But but intellectually, I I have a strong bent a strong resistance to um, accepting the way things are. I'm I'm intellectually far more interested, like poke holes yeah. at everything. Yeah. And so, they, you know, as soon as that becomes kind of the norm, I just want to be on the other side of the argument. It's like, what, what are we missing when we all adopt that? You know, um, just like, remember a couple years ago, my TED talk, you know, everybody's talking about what's wrong with social media, what's bad with social media. So I'm like, I'm going to try to argue the other side. You know what? Yeah. Let it run amok because what it's showing us 
is how messed up our relationship with truth is. If 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 these like tweets and this fake news is enough to to um, completely confuse us about what's real, then we've got a really unhealthy, weak relationship with reality, and and I think we gotta I think we gotta come to grips with that. So yeah, like burn it down, social media, because I feel like something much stronger needs to rise from from the ashes of our understanding of truth today. Now, you know, in some way, that's that's extremely radical stuff. I mean, the people at TED were a little like, "Geez, you really want to say this?" Like, yeah, shit, let's do it. This is what I this, I think this is an interesting thing um, to say to to provoke us to think. So there is something, you know, I would do, I would do very poorly in a society that is, um, that, that demands strong, um, intellectual obedience. Like, like, uh, like a China say, because I would, I would just, I wouldn't be able to be myself, which just, I just need to be, a, a bit of the iconoclast. I I see that as something useful that I can do is is to to provoke. See, it's so interesting because I think I'm the opposite in our conversations. I think I am the person that generally is citing the rules of the road for Western intellectual history. Well, that there's this Hegel says this or Plato says this, and we got it. Like, I find myself. Um, uh, even though personally, I'm I, I'm probably a little more libertine in my own tastes, but like intellectually, I, I probably am this um, lawful kind of like I I I'm I, I'm I'm le- it's part. But one of the reasons I love our conversations and our friendship because I think I am you kind of push me in some really helpful ways because I think I am probably um at times beholden to certain kind of um, ways of th- uh, uh, certain conventions intellectually. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, um, even though like, like I think people wouldn't describe me as this sort of uh, uptight guy or something, but I, I, I do think I am my own disposition is probably to preserve the tradition if I can, rather than upend it. And and the tradition, by the right. way, I mean, I don't mean any one particular thinker. I'm just saying, well, okay, like let's not kind of cancel them. Let's not upend them yet. Like maybe their their day is still here. Their day in the sun is still here, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was just thinking, listening to you describe that. Um, you know, we tend to we tend to hold a lot of people in society to a lawful good standard yeah right like every elected politician you're expected to be lawful good you know every 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 judge every every chief executive officer right like like officer of a publicly traded company uh every bank executive you're you're all expected to be lawful good and you know, we play D and D like just you know random group of people. 
there weren't that many lawful good characters no, in no, the party. No, no, no. Most and what's funny is in this country, who wanted just, to play lawful <laughs> Right, and it's funny because we just went through a presidency of somebody that was basically oh, chaotic uh, neutral. I mean, what? Trump was chaotic neutral. Oh, okay. Like, no, no, so wait, wait. Let's linger on that for a moment. So you think Donald Trump was? chaotic neutral okay so so chaotic like yeah definitely not lawful i mean the law the law is just there for people who don't understand that you right. can get further ahead by not following it i mean he was a chaos uh-huh. agent but he wasn't truly evil in the sense of i don't think he had enough i mean augustine says you know like a really good liar um get some virtue because they have to know a little bit of the truth to be to hide it, right? Trump wasn't even a good liar. Like he wasn't even the kind of liar that has to learn the truth to cover it. Like Trump was just a chaos agent. I mean, I, I think he was kind of not on the good and evil standard. He was just all id. And so it was all chaos and all id. And so I, I wouldn't even say Trump was actually had the kind of moral imagination to be evil. Is it okay, yeah, that's interesting. Or is it is it is it about narcissism? Like, if you're extremely narcissistic, is it hard to be either good or evil? Because both of right, those because, kind of suggest like an outward orientation. Yes, yeah, yeah. And in, in relationship and 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 imaginatively constructing your relationship to the world, right? Like, right, uh, right. Yeah, and and no, I don't. I think Trump had no imagination. I mean, uh, other than for himself. I mean, as a marketing kind of showman. So okay, so so the person who says. Um, I do whatever I want to get whatever I want is chaotic neutral. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think, I think that's kind of like, I think, yeah, I think the narcissistic powerful personality like Trump is chaotic neutral. No, Biden might be neutral. Good in the sense that I think Biden is a creature of the Senate and he respects that stuff, but he's okay. Bending rules once in a while for the little guy. I mean, I think he's, he might be, although, although if you're, well, or is that just sort of like a, I feel like there's a higher law here. And sometimes the actual law in the books is kind of a, right. So I just, you know, maybe he's lawful. Good. I mean, I think to be any kind of decent politician who people respect, whether you're right or left, but if you're, if you're respectable, you kind of have to be lawful good, right? Like, I mean, you have to be not just good. Uh, you have to be lawful. Like, you have, to, you have to respect the traditions and the strictures and work within them. So maybe if you want to be a politician, it, it, at least if you're not lawful good, you have to learn how to fake it. Like, what was Churchill? Definitely good. <sighs> I mean, I, I'm sure he would describe himself as lawful. I mean, it's... You don't think so? No, no, I don't know. I mean, I think he would. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Churchill, though, was a rambunctious kind of... It's interesting to, like, think think instead, you know, more interesting just to contemporary thought. Like, what about what about the Chinese president, Xi Jinping? Um what would your what would your first just how would you try to um put that world leader into the alignment boxes lawful neutral uh, i i yeah. think like i think 
So lawful, that makes is, sense to me. I mean, definitely big part of, you know, Chinese society is order, right? Like we're, we're, we're basically a, a civilization wide experiment of, of what does it, what does society look like when order is the number one value? Yeah. So, so I but get, I, I get lawful. But I think you could see him like, um, doing some humanitarian things for countries and also him doing authoritarian things. I think the kind of law is Chinese order. Right. And so I, I think he makes decisions based on, um, so, so, so I don't think he's gonna hmm. make the moral decision that will be critical and prophetic in light of Chinese culture. Like, I think he's going to kind of do, um, he the, the lawful that's the other interesting thing like which kind of thing are is one dominant over the other so i think for pink like law is going to be dominate dominant over his morality kind of thing which will be neutral so the important thing is chinese order and tradition and sometimes you know like he'll use that power for some things that will alleviate poverty and suffering in the world which which china has taken more people out of poverty fast faster than any nation state we've ever seen, right? Like they've also done incredibly oppressive and horrible things. And I think the current Chinese president is someone like that, that is really neutral on the moral question, but very devout on the order question. I guess, I guess, you know, that the Chinese case raises this, you know, this related big question of who decides what's good and what's evil. I mean, is this, is this um, something that I determine for myself? And if I have a kind of, you know, uh, a vision for my authority to, you know, create a better world, other people may fundamentally disagree that that, that vision is better, but, but that's, that's my internal story to myself. Does that make me good? Or is there some sort of Archimedean point that looks at, like, you may think that that's better, but that's not better. That's worse. And so, you know, while you're deluding yourself into thinking that you're good, you're actually evil. Now, this is, this is, this is, you know, I think, you know, careening back to the fantasy world, maybe one of the things that's most fascinating, uh, maybe, maybe it's what's appealing about, you know, like fantasy films or like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that question was never a question, right? And in fact, when, when I was, uh, you know, a kid in like reading fantasy novels, what I found, one of the things I found so, so clarifying about these books is there was no doubt what was good and what was evil, right? Like evil, the, the universe is going to end unless we stop this. So that's clearly ultimate evil. And if we're fighting against that, then we must be the good people because we don't want the totality of life in the universe to end. And even if you role play the thief or something, right? You're the thief who is in the party, who is stealing gems or something that helps the party defeat the ultimate thing. Even the, even the people on the edges of morality in the party are still serving the good. Yeah, when when you're confronting ultimate evil, I mean, anything that obstructs that agenda makes you one of the good guys. Now, Game of Thrones, you know, is quite interesting in one respect because it, you know, this is, uh, 
uh, you know, George R. R. Martin, he's like, he, he, his, his insight, his, his genius, his innovation was to look at the fantasy genre as, you know, the, 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 the opportunity of storytelling that they're missing is to make everything morally ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. To, to let's, let's evolve past the, 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 the clarity of good and evil and let's yeah. just let's just create fantasy story where, where where people have their own messy motivations and whether it's good or evil you know really does depend on you know whether you're in the biden administration or you're in um you know the the xi jinping administration from both of our perspectives we're doing right by our people yep yep and this is the game to kind of see how it how it plays out, and ultimately the victor is going to be the ones who write, who write the history books. I always, you know, that was that, and maybe this is sort of the you know the Christian upbringing in me, kind of wanting to be one of the good guys. Yeah, yeah. And then living in a real world where, unless I don't ask any hard questions, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Unless I don't do things like, you know, live in China for several years. Yeah. And 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 study its politics and 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 befriend people within its government structure. Unless I if I don't do any of those things, then then I can live in that fantasy role play yeah. world. But but in in the real world where where so much is is trying to navigate these positions of gray. And then there are so many actors in the world who who amass tremendous strength for themselves and a following by just saying like to hell i'm gonna pretend that it's black and white yeah yeah hey everybody you know read my fantasy novel and in our story we're the good guys and they're the bad guys and we all love those stories because they're clarifying and my challenge is always that and i guess this is maybe what, part of what makes me neutral is i love this story but i don't know if it's the right story Yeah, it's funny because I'm sitting here in New York and I'm just a short train ride away from the great institution, Union Theological Seminary, where the great Reinhold Niebuhr taught. And he was um, this giant of 20th century, uh, not just Christian intellectual thought, I mean, American intellectual thought. I mean, he was asked to testify before Congress multiple times and stuff. And he developed this theory called Christian realism. And he started as a pacifist and then lived through you know, world wars and, you know, as a kid. And then he was, a t I think a teenager. And it was, no, he's in his twenties or, or something in during world two. And, you know, he basically just thought like, there's no pure hands. Like every, you know, you can't like, basically, you know, all these Christians wear these bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And Niebuhr would just say, that's irrelevant. We can't live like Jesus. We, we don't have his job description. We have to live in the real world with dirty hands. And he was trying to have an ethic of how do you, how do you be moral with dirty hands? And that's, so maybe I'm self-righteous that I said I'm good. I, mean, I guess we're all at least neutral on our, on our, um, on our, on our best days and evil at our worst days. <laughs> but we like, but you know, we'd like to tell ourselves. And, and I think good is good to be aspirational towards, right? Like it's good to aspire to the good, but you're right. I think, we all probably are so much more complicated and compromised than we can admit in polite company because we all like to think of ourselves as good people. 
again, when we go to, you know, a sporting event together and I, you know, just, and you're completely embarrassed in my company. <laughs> that That's when you'll decide, you know, is Chris actually a good person or is he secretly quite evil? I hope oh. evil. <laughs> I hope evil. I hope we get into some trouble. So this has been great. I, um, yeah, this has been great. This has been, and, and, and also tell us, um, as our listeners, if you have a moment to send us an email or something, um, because we'd love to hear what you all think about what we're doing. And also, this is kind of a different episode. I mean, we, we did things a little bit differently today. Um, we kind of started with our own kind of things that we used to like to do as kids. And so, so yeah, just so please let us know like how we can um, better serve you as our listeners. And, and thank you for tuning into us as you all are regularly doing it's 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 wonderful i'm wondering if we're now going to connect you know into the D community if we're going to get some oh yeah oh 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 oh, oh. because absolutely because i mean if, if if you're out there i need i need so much help you got to update me to the new rules because i think what if we, what i, if I think we i played up? second edition or maybe it was like 2.5 and i just looked online it's fifth edition now and i don't i don't know what the fifth i don't edition know rules are about this but and but invite I'm, us. I mean, we will we will play. We'll come into your party. Like we will, um, yeah. Invite us. I mean, we we would play right on Zoom or something. I, we I, I would. I have my dice. I'm. I'm ready to I'll have to go get dice. But I'm in New York. I can get dice. I'm sure there's some kind of like dice app now, right? Not oh, the yeah. same. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. Maybe we'll be like really retro and old, like, oh my god, you have physical dice. It's so cute. Yeah. No. It, it'll be. It'll be retro. Thanks, my friend. This was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. All right. Take care, Scott. Thanks for listening to The Atlas Project. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line or send us a message on Facebook. If you really like what we're doing, please rate us on iTunes and write a review. It helps so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks for listening and facing the new world with us.